0: Like she's about to talk about her her pee toner. <laughs> I am like I have no makeup on right now. I'm hungover as fuck. What would you it, do last night? So it wasn't supposed to be anything. Um, Todd had a kickball game, and we and he does it once a week. So he went to his kickball game and then we always get like drinks after with the team whatever so we went out with the team we got two drinks fine then we were leaving and then I bumped into Tucker and Kendra on the way out of the restaurant and was like oh hi bye like we got to go home taught us stuff to do and then we get into his truck and we're about to head home and Kara my cousin Mm -hmm. texts me and is like I'm at Bonfire in Manchester with my friend who's visiting from Maryland. Where are you? Come out. And I was like, oh man. I was like, it's like nine o'clock, but I didn't have to work today. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, Todd, why don't you just drop me off and then I'll take an Uber home and have a couple drinks with Kara. Well, (laughs) you know how it is. Like Kara was there and her friend was visiting from Maryland. So her friend was like ready to have a good time. Yeah. So the bars are like fully open now. You
1: know, like, oh, it's
0: like normal. Yeah. So we went to a few bars, had shots. and Oh, my goodness. And then her friend was staying at a hotel right next door. So we walked to her to- hotel room. We tried to get into the pool at midnight, closed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which was probably good, because I don't know if we needed to swim. <sighs> but then, So I ended up getting home and going to bed at, like, 3 a.m.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, Josie.
0: Woo. And then I woke up at, like, 6.30. So I've had no sleep. And I'm just like, I'm a zombie. Oh, why didn't you go back to sleep? Oh, I don't know. I just couldn't. Did you ever just get it was sunny today, and I had like errands to do. So I just yeah. Couldn't. I'm probably gonna sleep well tonight though. Yeah. Oh, how's how's your week been? I know it's been crazy. It's been okay. It's
1: been, I don't know why, but it feels like everybody wants something from me, and it's not even just work. So. So I was like, you should post about it's Pride Month and your book is, and I was like, oh, okay. And then Peter, my brother called me and was like, I think I broke my arm. And I was like, what? And he's oh, like, my he's like, I went to the gym and I lifted weights, but we didn't have enough time to stretch after. And now I can't lift anything in my arms.
0: You're and like, was, no, dude, you're just getting muscles. I know, I was like,
1: you're you're just tired. And I was like, you can look up, and he's like, can you look up some stretches for me? He's like, it really hurts. Oh. And I was like, oh, Okay. And he's like, "Can I come spend the night there? I want to hang out with you." And I was like, "It's a Wednesday night. I have work."
0: Like I have work.
1: <laughs> and then my mom is calling, and she's like, "I don't think you're a Christian anymore because you played with that Ouija board one time when you were in high school." It's like every Why? where does she get that? <laughs> I do <don't know. laughs> So yesterday, I like took a nap as soon as I got out of work, and I was like, "I just like I don't even know it's the heat, but I was so tired." Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Taipei for Anxious. My name is Dorothy England and I am joined by the lovely
0: Josie Savage. Yay! So happy to be here this week and tackle some more anxious thoughts.
1: Woohoo! So we always like to say that we are not healthcare professionals. We're just inviting you to an open dialogue about anxiety. And this week we are talking about imposter syndrome. <laughs> I guess you could say that we pretend that we're really good podcast hosts which I think we're okay
0: we're not bad yeah yeah we just don't want to unmask the fraud you know <laughs> <laughs> well first I want to start I think by just talking about what imposter syndrome is because I mean a lot of people know it's been kind of a hot topic the uh, several years recently but I think some people might not know so I was reading a Time magazine article and I thought it had a really good explanation of what it is. And they were pretty much explaining it as the feeling that you don't belong or you don't deserve your accomplishments and your successes are due to luck instead of your talent or hard work. I think that A lot of us have experienced that idea. So I just thought they had a really good description of that. And it resonated with me just thinking about my own accomplishments. And I totally have said before, oh, I just got lucky. And there we go. There it is. Imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah, I was actually really surprised too to read the description because I think I had a more generalized idea of what it was. Mm -hmm. I think I thought that imposter syndrome was just pretending to be something that you were not And really, it seems like it's more you do you have accomplished something and you should be proud of that accomplishment. But like you said, you're just saying, oh, I'm lucky or it just kind of happened this way. And I know even most recently with my job that I have now, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm so grateful. Hashtag blessed. It happened, you know, but really, I actually put in a lot of time and effort, but Mm -hmm. it feels awkward to be like, well, I did this and I did this. I, 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 because you feel like you're just showing off.
0: Yeah. And I think a big part of it is that you, for for example, you've accomplished a lot. You worked really hard to get where you are. And so when the thought comes of, oh, I don't really deserve this, or I'm not really as good as I seem at my job. You know, I I hope that nobody unveils that I'm not actually this good or this smart. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing too, is that you have these talents, but you feel like you don't, and you're afraid to say, oh, I'm really good at this. Instead, you're thinking, I have to just keep trying so hard to be good at this so that nobody finds out I'm bad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I
1: sometimes (laughs) I sometimes am like, no one can tell what an idiot I am. So I'm just gonna purposefully act like an idiot and just you know pretend that I'm really funny. You know, like if I'm meeting new people, sometimes I feel as though it's part of also my nervous energy. I'll just act really goofy because I don't want them to realize I'm actually not that cool.
0: So you almost do the opposite. You're you're like I'm gonna just already unmask myself for you, (laughs) so that there's no risk of you finding out that I'm not like this.
1: Well, it's kind of you know I would rather acknowledge it myself and be like, yeah, so I'm kind of awkward, than have someone be like, wow, you're really
0: awkward. (laughs) I do that too. And Todd catches me in it all the time. He's like, mm-hmm. why did you just say that about yourself? Right. I think what it comes down to is I would rather hurt myself before somebody else can hurt me because mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt if I say it to myself as much as if somebody says to me, you're really awkward or you're really weird. So before anybody has a chance to hurt me or say I'm awkward or weird, I just address it immediately. I'm like, hey, here I am. I'm super weird, super awkward. So if I say anything, just laugh right just like what you said address the elephant but sometimes i don't even think the elephant is there i think we're creating the elephant. we are <laughs> it's people like people sh- don't even think we're weird but we're just telling them where we like i showed up
1: to the party in a really cute dress but i told you i'm wearing an elephant <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I am an
0: elephant <laughs> that's an interesting take or an interesting angle on imposter syndrome i'm kind of glad you brought that up because i do that all the time and i never even connected the two mm-hmm. but i i also Do it where if somebody compliments me at my job, if I do a good job at something, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it was a team effort, even if I did most of it. Like it was a team effort or Mm -hmm. I'll say, oh yeah, I just happened to, you know, this just came out of this. And I always have an excuse. I can never just say, thanks. Yeah, I'm really good at that. Where do you think this comes from?
1: Well, it's almost as though we're creating these they're not necessarily solutions because they don't really, they're not really uh, helping the problem. It's really like, we're just creating these barriers to accept praise. I, sometimes, if somebody compliments me, sometimes then I feel like I have to give them a compliment in response. Yes. It feels selfish
0: to just say thank you. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: But then at the same token, I also know that sometimes if somebody doesn't bring up what I've done, I'm like, did that matter you know it's almost like i need the validation too so it's like a complicated issue where it's like see me i'm right here but yeah. i also i'm like oh you noticed me oh no it wasn't me i didn't do everything but
0: i still want you to see me yeah <laughs> also can i just comment that you said on the same token i don't <laughs> know <laughs> you were like it's, i thought you were gonna say at the same time and you were like on the same token <laughs> Yes, I guess I've never heard that before. <laughs> is that a real phrase? Google. Let's go Google. Google. Yeah. On the same
1: out. token.
0: Token phrase.
1: I used to mean that something you are about to say is also true for the same reason as what has just been said. I don't it think that real. I don't think that prices will go up, but by the same token, I also don't think that they will go down.
0: I shouldn't have doubted you. I am so smart. <laughs> Look at, it. yeah, see, you're so smart. I, oh, I thanks, but a- you know, it's a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. It was Google. Just luck. It was just luck that you said that. You're so smart, too. <laughs> oh my God. I had another cool thing that I found out about imposter syndrome that I had knew nothing about. So I'm interested to hear if you knew about this. Um, and it was from two different articles. So two different sources. Um, the, one was on the Time Magazine and then another was um, American Psychological Association. But they were talking about different kinds of imposter syndrome. And you, Ooh. everyone might have a different type of imposter syndrome or take on a different type at certain times. And there's five types. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you are too. The first one is the perfectionist. And it's when you're thinking you should deliver the perfect performance 100% of the time, and your work has to always be A+. Second one is the expert. And you're thinking, if I were really smart, I would already know everything. I shouldn't need to learn how to do this or look it up. The third is the soloist. And it's when you're thinking, I believe that competence is equal to my own unassisted achievements. So... I have to do everything myself. I can't get any help from somebody, essentially. Four is the superwoman, where you're thinking, if I was really competent and smart, I'd be able to do everything easily and everything well. And the last one is the great mind. And it's where you judge yourself on ease and speed. So you think if I were really competent and smart, everything would come very quick and easy to me. Whoa! Isn't that interesting? I did not know there were different kinds, but yeah. I think I am the perf- a mix of the perfectionist who thinks everything needs to be perfect, and the great mind who thinks that everything should come quickly and easy. And if it doesn't, I'm not smart.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Ah! I really truly we're was. Coster
0: syndrome <laughs> twins. Oh, I'll pretend to be you, and you can pretend yeah, to be me. <laughs> exactly oh my goodness bask in our imposter syndrome together
1: (laughs) I think maybe the third one I was talking about it's hard for you to ask for help or soloist
0: yes Yes, soloist.
1: that was something I think I used to struggle with and so I think that's a really important point to make too is that life shifts and things shift and you might become you know more you know, better aware of something and then better able to adapt, but then something else you're, you know, you're, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say.
0: No, no, yeah, that's a good point. Like you might experience all of these at different points in life, depending mm. on where you're at or mixtures.
1: But I think for a long time, I struggled with asking for help because I saw it as a sign of weakness. And ironically, mm. I was always so eager to help. So I would be, you know, I think, and the other mm-hmm. thing of that too, is that, I remember being, it's almost like you're putting this like sainthood on yourself being like, I am St. Dorothy, I can help you, but you can't help me. I am too distant and saintly. And it's so
0: stupid. <laughs> yeah, but that that is, that's the soloist. You know, you think you have to do it all yourself. Asking for help is weak, when really asking for help is strong.
1: It really is. And the other thing too about asking for help is that I've noticed now that I'm better at asking for help, I've noticed when I do ask for help, I end up actually myself also having better ideas because somebody might bring something up that I wasn't aware of. And then I'll Mm -hmm. be thinking to myself, oh, that makes sense for here. We can connect that there. And so I think that it's really important to ask for help, but onto the ones that we both struggle with. So the perfectionist, oh Mm -hmm. my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah like beat yourself, I beat myself up if things aren't perfect all the time. And sometimes I think I get in my own way. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked about this of wanting it to be so perfect that you just never finish because yeah. you're thinking, oh, this sucks.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I struggled with that for a long time with writing. So I've talked about it before, how I'm writing this novel. And for a long time, I felt as though every single sentence that I wrote had to be perfect, it had to be magical and amazing. And we've both read something about how you cannot write and edit at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, like that blew the lid for me. I was like, oh my God, that's such a good point. Because if you're trying Mm -hmm. to write the perfect sentence, obviously you're editing it all in your head. And I know for myself, sometimes I'll have a thought. And then all of a sudden it's gone. I'm like, wait, what was I just thinking? So if you write something out and you're like, okay, maybe that's not where I want to land, but this is where I start. Mm -hmm. And how can I keep changing it and altering it and making it better? So that was something that that's, that's really helped me. That's
0: huge. And I think that goes with everything. You know, you can't do the task and perfect it at the same time. It stages, you know, with so many things you have to learn as you go reflect back make changes and then you keep going and and I think especially with creative things like writing sometimes you just have to get the thought out and it doesn't matter how it looks on paper it doesn't have to be grammatically correct it doesn't have to make sense to anyone you get it out and then you can go back and also I think a good thing to remember because I know I've Thought about writing things before, but then I see how amazing other people's books are. And I think to myself, I could never do that. That's wonderful. And I think a good thing to remember, too, is that that wasn't their first draft. Like they didn't just sit down and have that perfect book come out. They worked on it for a long time. And they also probably had mentors and editors that went through and helped give them ideas because kind of going back to what you said before, I'm a true believer that multiple eyes on something like working in a team makes everything better everyone can do something amazing on their own but then when you get other people's eyes on it it always takes it to another level
1: oh definitely so the other one that was the great minds can you remind me what was
0: that again um yes the great minds was when you judge yourself on how easily or how fast you do something And so if you're not able to just get it and do it, you think, oh, I'm terrible at that. I do that all the time. And even with stupid stuff, like hobbies, Mm. like I've been trying to, I've been wanting to learn the guitar, but then every time I pick it up, I get frustrated. I'm like, it's not coming easy to me. So I guess I don't have a musical gene. (laughs) And, And Todd's like, Ah, it doesn't come easy to everybody, you know, some people, like a lot of most people, you have to take lessons, you have to work at it an hour a day, and I'm like, nope, Mm -hmm. I don't have the talent.
1: I totally understand that. But I get that more with uh, work, where, you know, I, so... Sometimes I will work a lot in a in a certain program and then my coworkers will ask me to do something that maybe is within the same program but maybe that one particular area I haven't had a lot of experience with and so all of a sudden I feel like an idiot because it's something new and I get really frustrated and really afraid that if I don't learn it quick and if I don't learn it well you know well and quickly at the same time that my coworkers are going to think I'm a huge idiot
0: Yeah. And that's a great point. That reminds me when I was reading the article from American Psychological Association, they said that imposter syndrome happens. It happens to everybody at sometimes, but it happens a lot to people taking on new endeavors. So like you said, Mm. trying something new, and then all of a sudden you feel dumb. A lot of graduates get it because they're having a life change and going into anything that's new for you is, can be triggering. And also it said that oftentimes imposter syndrome comes along with anxiety and depression. So it's just this whole mangled thing that you have to manage, you know, when you're taking on a new endeavor.
1: I also read this thing too about how, uh, I think it was maybe from the same article, the American Psychology Association. And so Mm -hmm. they're saying that, A lot of times an imposter syndrome can stem from the way that your parents or your family put value on accomplishments. Mm. So sometimes if your parents either gave you too much praise or if they gave you too much criticism, this article is saying that this can increase the risk of future fraudulent feelings. And in addition, this can put extra pressure on you from society. And so I Mm. thought that was really interesting thinking about you know, too much of a good thing or, you know, too much praise could be too much of a good thing. Obviously too much criticism is not a good thing,
0: but. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how the praise and the criticism has to be balanced in a certain way so that people grow up and have a healthy response. So it has to be constructive criticism, I think is a big point because I think a lot of people, they get praise from their parents if they do things perfect. And then if they don't do it perfect, like you said, then maybe it's not constructive criticism. Maybe it's just mean criticism and i could totally see how that would make you grow up thinking if i don't get a plus on this or if i don't do this perfect i'm dumb Mm. and i'm not good at it so
1: my family life was um one of my brothers he was diagnosed pretty young with bipolar disorder and my mom too was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder And I'm the oldest of the three of us, the three children. And so my youngest brother, David, I think he felt as though my parents were putting all this attention on Peter, my brother with bipolar disorder. And so he would make situations so that he would get attention. And then, so it felt as though, I was kind of the last one to get attention. And so I can see that now where I'm like, oh, notice me, give me a comp- you know, give me compliments and let me know that you recognize me. But then at the same time, I think because I didn't feel as though I was recognized for certain things, I'm uncomfortable receiving them. So it was this weird sort of, you know, push pull where it's, I want you, like we talked about, I want you to notice me, but also, oh my God, you're noticing me, am I
0: doing things okay? Yeah. And then you go into that imposter syndrome response. Yeah. When you're noticed. Right. And it's interesting that you're comparing youngest, middle child, oldest child, and then just how you were all treated differently.
1: Right. It's nobody's fault. That's just how it happened. But I can see, I think a lot through journaling and through, I've had therapy in the past about just how much, your life as a child growing up, how much that can impact you when you're an adult.
0: Yes. And we've talked before about how that's my anxiety of having kids. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fuck anyone up. (laughs) (laughs) There is another great point. They were describing an imposter cycle. And I actually drew a chart for myself because I was trying to like, really have it resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And so I saw it as It becomes this cycle where you have a new project or an endeavor or something in the middle. And then kind of branching off of that, you have first this feeling that you feel you're afraid of being seen as a fraud. You're afraid that people are going to see that you're not as good as you seem. So then you start striving for perfection or striving for fast or competence. And then that leads to anxiety and self-torture in your mind not physical and then that leads to you putting in more effort to get perfect and then that leads to a payoff because you did a good job and what they were saying was that this whole cycle basically makes it so that you think a payoff comes from this feeling and this self-torture you're like if i feel worried about it then i work harder Then I, you know, I might be torturing myself, but I do better. And then I get a payoff. And so you just kind of keep doing this. Yeah, that was interesting because you start it's almost um, you start associating your talents with first I had to experience this pain.
1: I do remember seeing that. I don't know if I like understood it as deeply as you did. So I'm glad that you broke it down. Cause I think that is, a and reason. maybe I'm
0: overthinking it, but they said that. And I was like, wow, I, I read it four times. And then I drew like a circle and, a chart. and I was like, what does this mean?
1: It almost sounds like you have imposter syndrome An understanding imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but was I do luck. It was just luck
0: that I understood.
1: I did think that was interesting because they talked, I think they mentioned it was a little bit like a superstitious belief Mm. Where, and I think that I've had superstitious beliefs sometimes where I've been like, oh, if I take a cold shower and I'm uncomfortable, then something good will happen to me. Mm. And it's, it's such a weird mindset. And I think it's really just there is this connection between wanting to have control of your life and anxiety. And so it Mm -hmm. almost sounds like it's like this idea where it's like, if I can control something bad happening, you know, if I can wake up early and work extra hard or make myself all these reminders on my phone or, you know, work extra hours, if you are in control of your torture, Mm -hmm. then you are in control of the bad stuff, you're in control of the bad stuff, then you won't, then it's almost like it's almost like you think that you only have like a set amount of bad things to happen. So it's like, oh, I reached that quota because I created it.
0: Yeah. And if you're in control over the bad, you almost are, you're probably thinking, you know, when the bad's coming, you know, what's going to happen so that you don't get hurt as bad. It's, it's expected.
1: I feel as though it's such a representation of society in a way, because we talk about, I feel like America at least It's like, go, 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 work, 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 work. And so I remember this was a few years ago when people were talking about self-driving cars. And the first thing that I thought was like, oh no, now it's going to take away the time that I like having on my commute, getting ready for work. Instead, I could be, you know, in the future, my car will drive itself so I can work in my car while it's driving. Of course, I didn't know that the pandemic was going to hit and I wasn't going to even use a car to go to work, but you know.
0: Right? Yeah, I think I think society, or at least the American culture, I don't know. I've only lived here. So I don't know about other cultures. But I think that fast pace does play into it. And I think we're in a culture that's so unforgiving, sometimes to mistakes. Yeah. And I think it makes people nervous to make a mistake. And it makes them not believe in their talents. Sometimes, especially with so much on social media, you see so much of people showing what they do. That's great. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. You just see over and over this person's doing this, 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 this. So you're thinking I have to strive for perfection, right? Seeing only the good of everybody. And then you're feeling maybe like an imposter because you're like, my life's not as good. Yeah. I show anyone that though. I can't, I have to only show that it's good.
1: And you don't, you're not proud of the small accomplishments. It's we, I, I don't know if this is even really an accomplishment, but Paul and I are going to Florida next week and everyone that I've told is it hasn't been, Oh yeah. You know, I've been working really hard. It's time for me to take a break. I keep saying, Oh yeah, the tickets were so cheap. $97. We got so lucky. You know, it's not like, Oh, I've been working hard and I need a break and I deserve a break. It's Mm -hmm. well, we took the opportunity and we're going to do it.
0: That's such a good point. And I think we're in such a fast culture that we have a hard time saying and recognizing I need a break. And that's deserved. You know, I work five days a week, 40 hours a week, whatever. I work hard. I deserve a break. And I think it's hard for us to accept that. I mean, even sometimes on the weekends, I feel guilty if I'm not working hard on something. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) So to go off that, I wrote down some things that if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, things that, um, are recommended to help and this was also by the American Psychological Association <laughs> so one thing they were saying is take a step back and observe your thoughts instead of engaging on it so kind of take time instead of just acting on it think where is this coming from and why is this helping or hindering me that was a good question on that the next one was Remember the things that you do well. So remember your talents, remember your skills, you have them. Don't be afraid to remember those. And then another was learn to value constructive criticism and reframe your thoughts. So instead of dreading it, reframe yourself to think, okay, somebody said I could have done ABC better. That's a learning opportunity. Now I know, and now I'm going to do it even better next time. And they're trying to help. It doesn't mean I'm not good at it. it doesn't mean I'm a fraud. That's normal. And share these feelings with other people you trust, mentors, or seek if if it really gets bad. We always say seek help from a mental health professional. But just remembering this is normal. People experience this. You can't be perfect all the time and you have skills.
1: I love that. I think that is really true. And I know that I've I've been, I was going to say I've been really lucky. No. (laughs) (laughs) There is no. (laughs) make your own luck damn it (laughs) yes so I had a job where I worked with plastic surgeons a lot so plastic surgeons they work very hard they a lot of times they are working in life or death situations they do a lot of uh, reconstructive work they work with cancer patients burn victims so a lot of times that means that sometimes they can be a bit short with you And for a long time, when I first started working with these plastic surgeons, I took all of their comments as personal insults. I think what I realized, it wasn't luck. It was me coming to a realization that they were just short on time. It wasn't that they were Mm -hmm. short with me. They were short on time and it was nothing against me. And so once I was able to come to that realization and start to implement it in my life, it made me i think it made me a better worker because mm-hmm. that way i i didn't have all these what ifs or these you know pitying feelings of oh my god i can't believe i did this or i'm such an idiot it was more just you know if i made a mistake okay i made a mistake how can i fix it how can we move forward mm-hmm. or if they're being short with me you know what's going on how can i make it easier for everybody involved so that it doesn't become this emotional problem. And that doesn't mean that, you know, every single time that somebody is short with you, that they have, you know, that they have an excuse for it or that they they should be short with you, but you can change your reaction to it instead of saying, wow, this person's such a jerk. You know, what have I done wrong? What's wrong with me? You know, say, okay, well that person was short with me. How can I take that and just move forward and not let it clutter my mind from my task?
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think that goes along with just, like you said, instead of just engaging on the thought, take a step back and think about it and analyze the facts. And then you come out of it and you said you got even better at your job.
1: Yeah, and I think that it now helps really well with the job I have now that I love too. Because my coworkers, I mean, granted, we're all working remotely. So, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't really, you can't really see people's behavior over Zoom. But I do feel as though I'm working with a better group of people who maybe are a little bit more patient. I mean, granted, we're also, you know, it's a different circumstance. We're not Mm -hmm. working with patients. We're not working with people who are on a surgery table. But I think Mm -hmm. that when things don't work out, if there's a situation where something doesn't work out, or, you know, say I present an idea and someone's like, you know what, that might not be the best for our brand. Now, because of my work with the plastic surgeons, now I don't don't take it personal. Mm -hmm. I've learned to just be like, okay, they know what they're talking about. That's fine. It's not against me, Dorothy. It's just that maybe there's a misunderstanding. You know, I haven't been here as long, so I don't know. And I should respect that where they're coming from, it has nothing personal to do with me.
0: Yeah, and I think with careers, you're never going to do anything perfect. Anyway, I've learned that I used to get so upset when I did things wrong at work. And now I'm because I do, I write a lot of articles for them, and they always edit them. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they tear them apart. And I've learned to just that is what it is. I'm not always going to do a 10 out of 10 on on an article. Sometimes I'm going to have a three, you know, sometimes it's not going to be great. And that's human
1: exactly and the same uh, the same side of that sometimes someone might go to you and be like oh my gosh you're working on this I have this great idea and yes it might be a great idea but maybe it's not appropriate right then and there and so sometimes you have to be the person who says you know what that's not you know that wouldn't work right now so you know it's a it's a relationship you know sometimes people come to us Mm -hmm. with advice and we're like yeah and sometimes we go to people with advice and it doesn't work out so it's just it's part of being human you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about friendship imposter syndrome.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So what I is th- that.
1: <laughs> uh, so I read it was a well and good article and it was called, does my friend like me? <laughs> and I thought that was so funny because, and then I also read another article that kind of went along with it. It was called why you always wonder if people secretly hate you.
0: <laughs> mm, I love it. Okay. Cause I think about that all the time.
1: Yeah. And so it was just interesting because it was talking about how sometimes what happens is you'll hang out with a friend and you're like, oh my God, we're having this great conversation. Everything's going so well. And then, you know, you go your separate ways. And then hours later, you're like, did I say the right thing? What if I offended them? Oh my gosh, what about this? And they mentioned that. Oh my gosh, what if they think I'm an idiot because I forgot that. And you analyze and antagonize everything that was said in that conversation. Whereas hours earlier, they were laughing with you and you were having this great time. It's only when you're alone and you're going over those thoughts that you start to question everything.
0: Oh my gosh. I do that all the time. And sometimes I'll think, oh, I said this one thing and maybe that came across bad. Should I reach out and apologize? Do you think they're thinking about it? And it's, it's like, no, they probably aren't. <laughs> like they aren't. Right.
1: And so... I thought it was really interesting. There, so there is this uh, study done in 2018, September of 2018. There was a study published in the psychology of science. And so what the study did is they asked a bunch of people who were in a situation where they had just met somebody. So they're talking to college freshmen, talking to strangers, new coworkers, and they were asking people, you know, how they think that the interaction, you know, those first few interactions went, if they think that the person liked them. And so it was saying, so they basically coined this term called the liking gap. And what that means is that we think that people don't like us as much as they actually do. So we over exaggerate how much somebody might not like us. Mm. And they were saying that what it is is because we have this critical voice inside of our head that's it, you know, and sometimes it keeps us safe, you know, don't mm-hmm. go, you know, don't put your hand on a hot surface. Your conscience, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Your conscience. Mm-hmm. What happens with this situ- situation, there's certain situations that we, are like oh i shouldn't have said that i just met this person and maybe i weirded them out or you know and so we what we tend to do is that the voice becomes a lot louder and it's also overly critical and so we start assuming that these people who we just met don't like us and so it's kind of similar to what happens with friendship imposter syndrome where you go back and what you said you're second guessing yourself with this internal dialogue And it's saying that, especially when you're talking to somebody new, this happens even more so.
0: Because you want them to like you. Right. Right. When really you should, really, you're going to gain your truest friends when you're just yourself. Exactly. (laughs) So it's kind of like you're doing this to gain a friend, but then is it really going to be a real friend if you're not yourself and kind of like dating I bet people do this dating too
1: oh definitely yeah whenever you meet new people and they are saying that often this happens after somebody turns five because before then you're not really cognizant of it you're just kind of enjoying life you're just you make new friends you don't you know it's not really Mm. this conscious effort to try to get people to like you you're just experiencing just
0: being you before yeah sometimes I wish I could have the freedom of my mind that I did back then when you don't care you know something so beautiful about like a four-year-old they don't care I know I don't (laughs) don't want to care anymore right I don't
1: want to pay these bills anymore (laughs) but it was interesting too because they're saying that um with friendship what happens is if sometimes if you have friends who you know say you get together and you hang out and then you don't see each other for a while you might make your own conclusions of why that is
0: oh, I do that all the time. Or I think to myself, oh, I haven't seen this friend in a couple months. I wonder if we're still friends. And it's like, yeah, you ended last time with friends. So why wouldn't you still be friends? Right. Yeah.
1: Having that distance doesn't necessarily mean anything. I will say though, that I've definitely had relationships with people who I've kind of let the distance happen because Mm -hmm. I Don't really want to be friends with them. I can be friendly, but I don't want to be friends with them. Mm, So, I mean, there are situations, but I think for the most part, is that things just happen and life happens. I mean, I know that sounds so cliche, you know, life happens, but I think that it does. It's a true point because you might have friends who you, you know, I have a friend who's in Spain right now. I'm not going to be like, oh, we're not friends anymore because we haven't hung out in years. It's like, well, she's in Spain.
0: Yeah. And if you have a friend that moves away, you know, I I think sometimes people get that anxious feeling of, oh, no, am I going to lose my friend because she doesn't live near me anymore? But no, you won't. You Mm -hmm. won't be able to easily see each other, but you'll still be friends.
1: Or we talked about, you know, that's something that we have concerns about having kids is, you know, you have a kid and you're not able to hang out with your friends as much. Mm -hmm. That definitely, that happens. Like people, anything, a new addition to your family or, you know, getting married or having a dog or starting classes, that person has less time to hang out. It doesn't mean that they don't want to hang out with you.
0: You just have to let the river flow, you know? You <laughs> just have to let it flow. Let it take you where it will. And some parts will come with you, some won't.
1: I really liked this quote that the psychologist Andrea Bonnoir said. She said, mm. regardless of your coke excuse me, regardless of your coping method of choice, the most important thing to remember is that your anxious voice is an unreliable observer. Instead of thinking my friends probably hate me. Say, I have the thought that my friends hate me. The more that you can begin to detach from your anxious voice and recognize it as separate from you, the better. And I loved that.
0: I love that. I know one of our earlier episodes, I said that um, one of my psychiatrists said to me one day your thoughts are not you. And that kind of goes along with that. You have all these anxious thoughts, but that doesn't mean they're valid. And it's good to just take a step back and analyze the accuracy of those. And remember that that doesn't mean that's you. That's
1: so true. I know. I know. I thought that was so interesting thinking about how your anxiety, I mean, it might be a part of you, but it's not you.
0: I thought yeah. That was- I, I mean, it's confusing because it is like, you are an anxious person. So, right. do do? but at the same time, those thoughts aren't real. Mm. They're, they're just thoughts. You can let the. I'm going to say it again. Let the river flow.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and they also said, you know, if you feel as though, you know, oh, is this friendship not real? Or, you know, when we hang out, are we just acting like good friends? Is it really, mm-hmm. you know, true friendship? Talk to your friend. You know, they said bring it up with someone. You know, you could just say something like, "Hey, I noticed that I noticed that we've been distant lately, or we haven't hung out in a while. And, you know, if I've done anything, let me know, or like let's hang out." Sometimes communication. People... Exactly, and I mean mm-hmm. yes. Sometimes there are ghosts out there who will just bye bye out of your life.
0: You know? And I was gonna say sometimes you can't control it. Just let what's gonna happen happen, and um, you know that the true friends will stay
1: yeah and
0: sometimes it's the end of a chapter for a friendship and that's okay
1: josie i have something to tell you it's the end (laughs) can we start another book together
0: (laughs) if there was ever a second coming of monday it's right now right (laughs) oh my god josie this is
1: hard
0: And now it's time to share what's helping us get through the week. What's offering us comfort, distraction, laughter, and all of the above.
1: It's time for... It's time for... Recommendations and
0: Observations! Recommendations!
1: Observations!
0: Today I have a product because I just am so obsessed with it. I had to. It, I I have to recommend it. So it's... A Jasmine Green Tea Oil Control Toner by Herbivore Botanicals. It's all vegan, natural ingredients, has such a wonderful smell, and it's got a beautiful green color. But basically, after you cleanse your skin, you spray this on as a toner. And it just feels so nice, and it has helped my skin so much. I used to get a lot of, like, random red blemishes, Mm. and uh, not necessarily acting it was just like uneven skin tone and this just wiped it away it's amazing and it smells so good so it's almost like the self-care routine I have now I can't wait to spray it on so I had to recommend it it's $39 so it is kind of expensive but it's a spray a bottle of spray and if you only use it like like a couple spritzes a day it lasts a long time so I think it's worth it
1: your skin does look really nice I was going to okay. say. And, can- and I have
0: no makeup on. I do, oh, I do a girl. pimple right here though. I have one pimple. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Wait, it's the toner. I swear it's the toner.
1: I love toner. That's mm-hmm. actually, I use so much toner. I like, that's how I wash my face in the morning. I
0: love toner. Mm. I, I never knew the magic of toner until now. If anyone oh. feels like it, I recommend that one.
1: I struggled a lot with acne when I was a kid. I think a lot of us did. You know, I wasn't the only one—the special zit kid.
0: But I know where this is going. Do you? I think so. God, <laughs> we've known each other too long. I know. Well, I was the listeners don't. Well, I'm putting the toner
1: together. Okay, you just go
0: tell the story.
1: So I tried a lot of different things to put on my face to get rid of the acne, <laughs> and I tried apple cider vinegar. I tried Windex and I tried pee.
0: I'm like, she's about to talk about her, her pee toner.
1: Well, one of my aunts, crunchy granola person that she is, she was like, oh yeah, it's like, I forget what it was called. It was like, you know, urology medicine or something, something like peology or something like that. You know, so you pee, you pee on a washcloth and then you jab it on your face. I don't think it worked. And <laughs> the, the hardest part wasn't even putting this it on isn't my This is your hand.
0: recommendation. This is not
1: my recommend. This Let is like an clear. anti. This is an anti recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> this is a PSA. Do not do this. P.S.A. 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 I don't know. Yeah, do not do this. But the hardest part wasn't even actually putting it on my face i i don't know i'm not i don't get grossed out too easily the hardest part was just like peeing on a washcloth between my legs like be like how do i not pee all over the floor
0: but i'm gonna puke (laughs) (laughs) that's so gross oh sorry okay i remember no i remember you i mean it's not terrible it's not poop poop would be gross i remember you telling me about it that's why i knew where this is going i remember being like you're doing what girl like but i was uh, so desperate I'd rather have pee on Desperate my face than measures. pimples. Yeah. No judgment. Um but guys, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> anyway, don't do it.
1: Put the pee in the toilet and that's it.
0: Yes.
1: Well, and if you're camping, you guess outside. Yes. Anyways. Okay. Anyways.
0: What's your recommendation?
1: <laughs> my recommendation is also a product. That's
0: <gasps> weird. Okay. Yeah, it's
1: so weird. So I uh it's been sunny and it's been beautiful and I've been going outside, but as you know, I burn. <laughs> I probably burn mm-hmm. faster than I run or bike. Oh yeah. I you burn,
0: burn so you go out in three minutes, you're like, I'm burning. <laughs> I'm burning.
1: <laughs> there was a recent article that was saying, you know, it's like 64 of these sunscreens have cancer-causing ingredients. Ah! You know, and I mean maybe I might be exaggerating a little bit, but I have tried a lot. Of sunscreens because as you know I'm very fair already and so if I put even more sunblock on me that has a white tone to it I become even I literally I look like a sad dry dra- a sad Dracula
0: Dracula, Dracula. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say dragon <laughs> Drag. Dra- <laughs> dra- no I look like dra- Dracula. Dracula
1: Dracula Dracula well no because you've seen me I love my red lipstick so I have like pasty white sunblock red lips and then what happens is the sunlight gets into my eyes and it gets like all watery
0: and red and I just look like I'm just like oh, I, I remember from the Grand Canyon we would go out in the sun and you would just you'd basically look like um, Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire with the frosting. <laughs> Hello oh, <You>. oh. <laughs> so. this is how she puts it on. I just have to say she doesn't when she talks about putting on sunscreen I just have to be clear it's not a small layer that blends into your skin. It is actually a mask. And you look at her, it doesn't even sink in. It's just, looks like this girl's covered in frosting. All day, (laughs) with
1: red lipstick. Yeah, so, um, well, I do, you know, and that's usually because I use the physical sunblock, which has uh, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. I have tried the other stuff, but anyways, anyways, I found a sunblock that I like, and it's super goop, and it's called Unseen Sunscreen. I think that's what it's called.
0: Okay, and it's not a cream?
1: It's almost like this, like a lotion, maybe, but it's also kind of like jelly. I don't know, but it rubs in really nicely, and it has like a really, I don't know, it gives you a little bit of a glow, but it's not terrible and it's it does not it doesn't make you look shiny it's more oh, just I, kind I of,
0: found it I looked it up it's like the bright yellow lid
1: yeah Ooh. so I don't know I got a gift card to super goof because people know I like my sunscreen mm. and uh I just I don't know I really like it it's been and I like it too because it doesn't it seems pretty good on my skin my skin's mm. kind of sensitive and it seems a little bit like it's a moisturizer too moisturizer moisturizer I can't talk today
0: (laughs) yeah oh it says good for all skin types I'll have to take a look at this because it it is summer summer's Mm -hmm. coming at least it's getting hot and I'm going to be outside a lot so I need this oh I see it's like a gel yes exactly I couldn't think of the word Mm -hmm. but you can you know
1: you can probably find it somewhere at a TJ Maxx if you want to save your dollars
0: If anyone actually goes out and buys this, please take a picture of yourself with it and tag (gasps) us in it. Yeah, we know. And you can tell us if you liked it or you can tell us that you hated it and then now you hate us. But do not
1: take a picture of yourself peeing on your face.
0: No, don't try that.
1: No. (laughs) But you can put on the sunscreen and then wipe it off with the toner. Well, that concludes our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us, we are on Instagram and Facebook. You can always send us an email at typeaforanxious at gmail.com. And yeah, that's us. Yay.
0: Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. 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 We did
1: it. It almost sounds like you have imposter syndrome on understanding imposter syndrome.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: you have anxiety or something you're currently struggling with send us an email if you'd like to share anonymously or not you can always reach out to us at typeaforanxious@gmail.com at gmail.com or give us a follow on instagram we might just have some advice or similar experience to share remember sharing is caring and we're here to listen and validate this has been a living room production supported by our patient husbands and our furry friends supplemented by wine and snacks The views represented in this show do not reflect the companies that we work for. These are our own opinions. But thank you for listening. And until next time, love your Taipei girls, Dorothy and Josie.